Me, 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 me. So you're not shivering and you're not wrapped up in clothes, so it's not <laughs> quite as cold there? 45. It's probably, let me do it. It's 45 degrees. Yeah, let's see. Uh, 50. Thir- 35, 35 in upstate New York. Huh. We went from negative 15 to 55 degrees in two days. I- I'm it's not going to do the math, but that's a huge swing. Crazy. <laughs> it's like 70 Global. degrees. That's not, yes. that's that's, not hard math. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It was 68 here yesterday. Like, wow. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful day, but it was really bizarre. And there were still, uh, we went on the road yesterday and did a little trip with the family. And along the interstate, there's like, you know, rocky where they cut through the rock. And so water will come out through those rocks in different places, like tiny little falls and just drips and stuff. And from it being so cold, these big ice globs would be created yeah. on those things. And even it was 68 degrees and there were still giant globs of ice just hanging on. It was really weird. But. Well, those things take forever to melt if they're there. Yeah, they're in the shadows too. You know, get the direct light. But. Well, Boston, uh, two or three years ago, they got, um, you know, something insane, like 300 inches of snow that winter, maybe even more. And um, they were hauling snow away because there's no place to put it. When you once you get so much snow, the snow has to be moved to another location, and there was snow piles melting in May. Oh wow! Yeah. Whoa. Usually, you see that in the Walmart parking lot. It's yeah. Like a big giant right. pile of rocks, and you get up close to it, and you're like, "Oh wait, that's snow." <laughs> yeah. It's black snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. I'm glad it's not freezing. It makes yeah. my life easy. I got heat in the shop, and everybody keeps asking me how much is it costing me. It's costing me uh, about fifty bucks a day to heat my shop. Oh wow! wow. Pretty, pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. it's a very inefficient heat uh, insulation in my place. But the good thing is we turned it off, so we don't have to keep it on to keep pipes from freezing or anything. There is no plumbing in my shop, so when we're there, we flip it on, and when we're not there, we make sure we turn it off. And the funny thing is, we have the Nest, the Nest system. And when it gets so cold out, the Nest thermostat doesn't work. Does anybody have that problem? No. I guess they think the Nest is for no. everybody with a nice, tidy house and, you know, like real f- perfect living conditions. So I have to get in there and pull the Nest off the wall and put it in my armpit <laughs> until, until the battery and it warms up. <laughs> and then I stick it back on the wall and then the thermostat works. I think when the guys come back to tweak the system because the installers have to come back and tweak some stuff. I'm gonna just gonna tell them to put in an old regular mechanical thermostat because the nest is a nice idea, but when it's minus ten in my shop and I get there in the morning and it's zero, it doesn't even doesn't care. It's like I'm too cold. It says what on the screen. If, it says go back to bed. I'm too cold. <laughs> what about if you insulated it? Put a little uh, box around it of insulation to keep it a little bit warmer. I don't know if it you know it doesn't generate heat, so that would just be like you know it would be like. Putting a mesh bag over your head and jumping in the ocean. <laughs> water off your head. That's not true. Uh, do we it have has a, a screen and has a battery. Yeah, we might have a title. Um, I mean, it has a screen and battery. There is very, very small amount of heat being generated. In it there. does not have a battery. It runs on the low voltage from. Well, the- that's. It, it that's has a, a little battery storage. It has a little capacitor. Maybe that's the yeah. correct term. So that it, uh, in case the system goes down, it at least have something to control uh-huh. the memory. Because every time I, after I take it out of my armpit, oh, I'm sitting on it like a chicken. After I'm done sitting on my, my nest like a chicken, I put it back on the wall and it says, must set time and date. And I never do it. Oh, I just go, whatever, well. just go turn it on, skip it. I don't care what time and date it is. It doesn't matter. I had um, somebody asked me in my comments a couple of days ago, like, what do you keep your shop temperature at when you're not in there? And I said, I turn, I turn my heat off. And they fall back with, don't, isn't that bad for the tools? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean. There is the only thing that it's bad for, and I can't control it. It's just because I have so many cast iron, big, empty, you know, big, heavy steel machines. If it's cold, 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 like today, I just looked at the temperature. It's going to go to 50 degrees today. And all those machines are carrying all that cold air from the last couple of days. Today, when it goes to 50, everything's going to start sweating. Mm. And, and because it sweats it gets rusty and there's nothing I can do about it. I have to go around in the spring and in the fall when the weather is, is variable and I have to go and just keep oiling all my, the machines I use on the regular. 
because they get this little haze of orange rust. And that's why when you see a, a tool or an object or something that says kept in a temperature controlled room, that never happened to it. Uh, even my printing presses, all the big flywheels, everything that's flat surface that can sweat, that doesn't have paint on it, gets a, a haze of rust on it. It's, it's really annoying. And until I have a temperature controlled environment 24 7, 365 days, that's going to keep happening. Hmm. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. But it makes sense. Whatever. You know, it's on those warm days we go around with WD-40 and I just like drench everything in WD-40 so that it doesn't. Because then you, you'll walk up to a machine just like you see a, a, a drinking glass with sweat on it. My Any one of those big, heavy cast iron machines, wherever there's no paint, is literally sweating with water. It's condensation from the new, the, you know, the warmer temperature. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's annoying, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, but luckily my shop is like on the same system as my house. It's in a basement, so the yeah. you know temperature control there is like I could almost shut off the vents to the shop, and it would just stay the same temperature pretty much because it's underground, it's underneath the house. You know, it's it's surrounded on three sides at least by ground, so it doesn't take anything to heat or cool it. Yeah, pretty lucky that way. Um. Totally unrelated. Just want to make the left turn because, you know, why not? Somebody uh, posted Alejandro on uh, Twitter. Say so he thinks it's about time for a second Jimmy Duresta resin figure. No, and no. it got me thinking. No, it got me thinking. <laughs> <clears throat> we should somehow figure out a way to make a three-pack of posable action figures. So the three of us, and we each come with, like, a vehicle or just some crazy version of something like Jimmy could have like a bandsaw that's a spaceship <laughs> and you ride in a bandsaw somehow mm. well you know what know instead what, of, what instead of selling be, it David. if we did this that would be funny instead of selling it we could have a 3D printable articulated action figure that you there could you print, the, print the same maybe there's three bodies if somebody was going to model it up Print the same, print the body, and then print three different heads. So if anybody wanted to do that and leave it on Thingiverse, people could print there them and go. do crazy, stupid things to them. Can violate the little action figures. Or, or my body on Thingiverse. <laughs> or normal things. <laughs> um, What's wrong with you? Yeah, Bob? but I think, okay? I don't know, I think it'd be super cool just to have like yeah. the three of us, a little team, and then each one of us has some. Crazy accessory that goes, you know, hold on, hold a on. ship or a tool or a weapon hold or something. Obi Bob Kenobi. Mm. <laughs> there you go. We call Wayne's so Obi Wayne's Kenobi sometimes. But what if the three mm. of them formed into like one big monster transformer? Ooh, I like it. Yeah. We all stood on each other's shoulders and wore a really long trench coat and then tried to get into like an adult thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to make it into this R movie, guys. <laughs> yeah. We can do it. Mm. Anyway, what have you guys been up to other than uh, not being as cold as last week? Oh, my. I, I've been working on a, a bandsaw stand. I made a big stand for my big, big bandsaw. And today, after we get off the podcast, I got to figure out how to make 2,000 pounds of cast iron steel float in space so that I could roll the the cart underneath it so that's going to be today i'm going to have to come up with some sorcery to make it float in space and i've been drawing and thinking up ideas and i have a few concepts we'll see what works out today if you don't hear from me send help in about five hours (laughs) no i think uh, i will figure it out but that's that's what i've been up to is working on that and my bullet signs i'm making 25 bullet bourbon signs i featured it in my my vlog which i posted late last night and we're making 25 signs. So this week we have to put light bulbs in 25 signs. That's 45 light bulbs times 25, whatever that math is. Ooh. And then I have, I have to hand wire each one. But it's a simple wiring job because I bought these fixtures where you lay the wire in and you just turn it and it locks it in. And, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. And I have to do 25 shipping crates because each sign is going to a different location. So it's fun. It's a fun gig. And, uh, yeah, so it's been bullet signs and bandsaw carts all week long and all day yesterday i vlogged i edited my vlog all day with about 600 distractions it's funny like if you could see me and fast forward and all the people coming around me and talking to me and 
trying to gather my attention while I'm just sitting in front of the computer going, yeah, cool. Right on. Cool. Okay. Right on. With my you should do on. that. You should take one of your GoPros and set up a time lapse in the corner of the room while you're editing and then just put it in the corner of the video like down, like picture in picture to yeah. show how long it took you to actually edit the video they're watching. Because Willie's here and Taylor and my buddy Steve and, and my buddy came by with a bunch of friends and I'm just like, because uh-huh, cool. uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I had, a, I had a, an ad in it, so I had to post it last night because of my Skillshare ad. It's an obligation. Sometimes you make an agreement, you got to stick to it regardless of what's happening. And so that was all day Sunday, trying to get that done. And I finally posted it at like 2 a.m. after everything was said and done. But now, now I feel like I just turned in a term paper considering last week's work. And so today I'm like, eh, I got nothing to do. But then I got a whole much, a whole new set of circumstances to deal with, but aren't quite as pressing. So I feel like I've got a little vacation this morning. I woke up at about 730. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. yeah. Sleep, sleeping in. Yeah. yeah. That's it for me. So for me, I think a couple of times I said I was, uh, 2019 is about trying new things, taking that, taking that serious. Uh, the blacksmith or the, uh, the, um, the metal sculpture class was canceled this week because of the, the cold. The museum was shut down. So I didn't get to do that. But I I did try some acrylic painting. I've never done acrylic painting before. I, oh, my God. That's cool. I, that's a piece of bacon. It's a piece of bacon. I photographed a piece of bacon in my kitchen and then painted it. Um, and then I also, this is not technically new since I used to do it. 20 years ago, but I ordered a bunch of screen printing equipment and we're going to do some screen printing. Um, I have a, um, I have two poster ideas, but I also want to do it in more of a design aspect on some wood, uh, screen print on wood and also some fine art things. So really, really sticking to the trying new things, trying to bring different elements, uh, disciplines into my videos, which is, I spend a lot of time thinking like, wow, <laughs> and, and not coming up with stuff. I mean, I have ideas, but I have so many ideas. I, I just don't know which ones to, to execute or which ones motivate me that particular week, but I'm trying to do all these different things. I'm like, ah, oh, is that too different? Is that not different enough? Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm really trying hard this year to do a different style of video. So I have a question, and, and this is a discussion that um, Josh and I had not too long ago. <clears throat> that thinking time, when do you do that? Where do you do that? Do you set that? As- do you set a time time aside just for that, or like when does that happen for you? So a lot of times that happens on a Monday. So on um, I another thing that I've been trying to do is get out of the house more because I work alone and I never leave the house. So on Mondays, right after the podcast, I either go to the coffee house or I go to the library and just work on my computer there. And that's when I design projects. It's also a good time to think. And last week, um, what was the last project I did? The xylophone? So I was trying to design this xylophone um, while at the library and I wasn't coming up with anything. And so I, I you know, I'm on Pinterest, I'm, I'm re- looking through books, and I wasn't liking anything that I came up with. Oh, it wasn't the xylophone. It was, it was a project for the book. It was a spice rack for the book. And so I just kept, I would just walk around and I would think, I would go to the magazine section, I would pick up some dwell magazines and I'm like, oh, what if I brought that element into there? And so there is no set time for, for thinking, but it's it's typically on a Monday when I'm trying to design a project, or uh, I have the lounge here in my office. A lot of times, I'll just sit there and kind of flip through books, and that's a good thinking time. But I'm, I never say, "Oh, tomorrow at five o'clock, I'm gonna I'm gonna think." It's I I feel like thinking is one of the most creative processes, and sometimes it's good to force yourself to come up with an idea. But sometimes it's good to just let the ideas hit you when they come. I, I get my best ideas when I 
walk through like you, you used to do it a lot. You go through antique shops. Yeah. And there's an antique shop up here. There's a place called the Coxsackie Antique Center. And I get some of my best ideas when I walk through there. And I always say, I'm, and I say it all the time, shop with your eyes, not with your wallet. And I walk through there and, and I always come up with good ideas. And you do the same thing. But uh, another place I come up with ideas is just walking through like a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot. You just walk around and look at things like you say, oh, I can make my own version of that. I can make my own version of that. And mm. that helps me quite a bit. Yeah. I stopped taking Kelly to the antique mall. Because I want to spend two and a half hours there. And she sees everything she wants to see, you know, in the first hour. But yeah, that is that is a uh that and, and just thrift stores in general are a great uh exercise in thinking because I'm I, I I'm I find myself going to Goodwill or the Salvation Army and I'm I'm looking at stuff that's other people's junk and I'm like, how can I take that and turn it into something different and the project that we work on this week might be one of those thrift store projects i I found this little desk lamp and it's got a little three-way switch and i like the design of it it looks like it's from the 70s and i might redo the base and i also found a clock uh, at a garage sale last summer still in the packaging that's probably 30 or 40 years old and i might combine the two and so um yeah walking through the antique mall or the, the store is is a great way for me to come up with ideas. So I like that the the phrase shop with your eyes and not with your wallet. And I take pictures of everything too. So if you go through my phone I, and I, I take pictures and I've hardly ever looked back at them, but once in a while I'll go through my phone and see all the things I photographed to just give me that. Oh, don't forget to think about that. Don't forget to think about that. And so I have in the last probably month, I probably have taken 30, 40 photographs of different things that I want to turn into a project. If they'll ever come through or not, that's a different story because there's only so much time in a lifetime. But I have them. And occasionally when I'm kind of stumped for an idea, I'll scroll through the my phone pictures. And it's like, oh, I remember seeing that. That's a good start to something. So, you know, you take a picture of it and then you just forget it because you know it's at least in your pocket. Yeah, I've done that as well. I um, hmm, trying to figure out how to not say, say this wrong. I get the feeling that I think... I plan long-term stuff more than either one of you guys. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Or is that... I don't know what we're doing okay. this week yet, so. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I, I've i been thinking – I didn't want that to come off as like a – it just felt weird to say that. Anyway, <clears throat> I um, have been thinking about thinking a lot lately <laughs> and th- trying to figure out when to, when to plan. Like uh, – the day to day of getting stuff done and you know we all work at such a such a fast pace and there's just like this never ending flood of stuff like as soon as you finish one thing there's another thing that drops right in and you got to start right on it and <clears throat> excuse me as i look into this like 2019 and how i'm like what i want to change what i want to grow the new things i want to do and add and stuff I've been thinking a lot about like, well, you know, I've got to make those plans. Like I've got to really sit down and think through that stuff and figure out which one of these million ideas is like the one that I should actually try. You can't try everything, right? So I'm like, when should I do that? And I started looking at the calendar and I'm like, I need to get take a weekend and go by myself somewhere where I don't have a shop in front of me. I don't have, you know, the responsibility <clears throat> and the interest of my family just go somewhere and just be undistracted to where I'm I like I take away all the stuff that makes me not think and then just think through those things so that I can check them off the list like I'm going to do this I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do this so I'm thinking I I should do that retreat thing I should take a weekend right or a day or something I start looking at the calendar and it's like mid March before I can go take a weekend mhm for 2019 and i'm like that's a third into the year before i get a chance to really spend time thinking about the year so my my point in that is just that even though it would be super cool to have some dedicated time like that i think i need to figure out a way to break i mean i still want to do that but i think it would be more productive um in the short term to do something like you're, you're doing David, where you take like a certain time every week, you know, maybe it's like an hour on a Monday morning, as soon as we finish the podcast or end of the day on some day or something and just dedicate it 
a smaller chunk of time to that thought process on a regular basis rather than waiting for like a big full weekend that I can get away on my own. Um, cause it's just, I, and I've talked about this before, but I have this thing where like, I'll think, man, I've got this X to do. And that seems like that's going to be big and it's going to take a lot of my time and it's going to take a lot of focus and I don't have those things right now. So I'm going to put that off. I'm going to just set it over there and I'll get to it. And I keep doing that and I keep doing that. And then it's always in the back of my head. It's always sitting there and it's just like this little nagging thing that I haven't done yet. And then eventually I'll say like, okay, fine, I'm going to do it right now. And it takes like no time at all. And I, you know, and I had all this like mental weight that I was carrying around that I should have just like focused on and gotten it out of the way. And I need to get better about that, about planning as well, because, you know, I don't have to plan to plan. I just need to plan. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so make a memo to plan. <laughs> there memo. you go. Don't forget to plan. Put it in your calendar. So I, uh, I mean, we all have different business models. So we all approach how we make a living completely different. And for me, being my own boss, there's the advantages of that is being really flexible and doing what I feel at the moment. And so I don't want to lose that at least right now. So I don't plan too much in the future. Um, I, and I only have, uh, you know, the, the one part-time uh, helper. Uh, he wants to be called my accomplice. So Dan is now my accomplice. And um, I, I like to keep that, that flexibility. I, I, I don't, someday I probably will hire him or hire somebody full-time but right now, I love being able to call an audible at the last second. I'm like, you know what? I'm inspired to do this right now. So I, my favorite thing about being my own boss is the flexibility. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep that as long as I can. And I know that as, a, as businesses grow, you have to keep introducing new things. You have to keep pushing yourself. Otherwise, you get bored and that's going to show in, in the videos. And so I know that that's not always going to be there, but right now I'm, I'm really trying to enjoy that. And 2019 is, is really about trying new things and incorporating those new things into what I do. But there is a lot of that mental weight that you talked about. Like there's all these nagging things and it's because I don't have a certain part of my life planned out. So there's a, there's a, there's a positive and negative about all of it. Yeah, my, I think I think there's definitely both of those. Planning and not planning can both give you a different kind of weight to carry around. My my planning, I, I try to plan and I always have problems doing that. <laughs> so I just, I always say, let me just get started. Let me at least start it. And so last week I did start a couple of videos. I always tell Brett, and Brett knows this about me, let's just shoot the intro. And then I start the timeline for the intro. And then I start building on that. And when there's like a moment or a hole in the day, I'm like, oh, what can we do? Oh, we can do, we can add another 30 seconds to that video. We could add another couple of segments to that video. So when I have a hole in the thing, and and I do that usually when things that I know I want to start, but aren't a priority. So I'll at least get that project rolling. And I do that with things that aren't necessarily videos as well. I'm like, let's all, let's prepare all the wood for that shelf that I need to make this month. And I'll prepare all the wood. It'll be all hands on deck. And then I just put it aside and I don't do anything to it till three weeks from now. But that at least that, that cements it in the schedule is mm-hmm. by at least starting it. So that's that's one of my techniques that is happened kind of unconsciously. Well, it was never like, a, oh, this is how I'm going to develop my planning strategy. I just do that so that I know, oh, OK, that project is at least got a pin in it. And that pin is the beginning. A, l- a little inside baseball. The sponsors help me keep on schedule. You just mentioned you had to do a video for Skillshare. This week, I have to make a video because I have a video due to Skillshare. So that's that's forcing me to to come up with an idea to make a video. If I didn't have that, I would probably get lazy and probably be like, you know what? Let's just prepare for the next week's video and not do something. And so not. I, so I think, you know, there's uh, the negativity about sponsors seems to be going away unless I've just hidden enough people where I'm not seeing it anymore. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's 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 the norm now. And another reason to appreciate the sponsors on your favorite YouTubers is it's forcing people to stick with the schedule. It's forcing people to be creative and to put out the content that everybody wants to see. 
Yeah, those the sponsors really do help people get more content in more ways than one. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good example of that. It's funny um, you said the the negative. I always say to myself, I, the way I rationalize it is, in a in a given week, I listen to Howard Stern, I listen to Mark Maron, I listen to Joe Rogan, I listen to Bill Burr, and like five other people. And those are all people that I admire. I like their comedy. I like their point of view in many cases. And every single one of those people I listen to, I sit through commercials. And I don't even think about it because, like, that's what they do for a living. They do this so they could earn money to do that commentary or whatever that, that, that work they do, whether it's comedy or whatever. And that's how I rationalize it. So when people get on me about advertising i'm just like you just i hate to say you just got to grow up and deal with the world <laughs> it's not going away yeah, yeah. you know it, 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 and, and it's a consequence of growing on youtube is that people approach you and say do you want to advertise for us and then you think to yourself hmm i could load a truck or clear out a warehouse or deal with a crazy homeowner or i can just take this advertising and never leave the shop and still do what i want to do it's an easy decision and the people that criticize and condemn us for doing it never been confronted with that decision. And that day you walk in front of with that decision, you go, oh, well, I don't want to be a sellout. Um, but I really don't want to break my thumb on loading this truck. <laughs> you know, it's, that's the decision making you, you make. Do I want to deal with 30 people at my old job and have to deal with all these different or I can just do this alone solitude and make the same amount of money in a fraction of the time and then go back to the shop? It's a real easy decision, and uh, you know, unless you're confronted with it, it's it's uh, it's hard to understand it. Yeah, I, and I think it, you're right, David. It is becoming the norm, and it's I don't really get many complaints about sponsor stuff anymore. Um, I wanted to jump back though, because uh, you were talking about oh, Jimmy, you were talking about like just getting started and then adding on little bits, you know, uh, to a, a video or a project as you move along. Um, I don't. I haven't typically done that, but in the last few months, we've been doing that more um, because we've been doing these longer term renovations. So it was like we had to be renovating a room in the background, you know, every, doing a little bit every day, but then also producing content for the meantime before the video, the renovation video was finished. And so it was a weird way to try to figure out um, – like to to shoot something for so we finished up the laundry room mud room and then we just last night finished the master bathroom and it was a weird process to figure out of shooting something on project A and then taking that footage and categorize like grabbing it putting it somewhere and just holding it there and then shooting something on project B you know and then you go back to A but and then you finish B and then you go to C, but then you go back to A and then you finish C and you go to D and then you go back to A. And it's just weird, like keeping track of all the footage. And we have multiple people here now, and that's helpful in that way because people are responsible for different things. But it's been a little bit strange to, you know, instead of like you finish a project, you take the video card, the card out of the camera, and you put it in, and there's your project. You know, it's in a raw form, but it's all right there. And we're like, which drive is it on? You got which? Who did the folder for this? And did you make proxy files for that and send it to this person? And you know, there's just like a bunch of media to deal with across multiple things that are happening at the same time. Um, and it, it's just been something to get used to. We've got our process down for it now, and I think it's probably will help us in the long term have some bigger, longer term things happening. You know, in the background while we do shorter stuff in the front. But um, that's been an interesting kind of change. I don't know. It, it almost forces us to be more organized, though, which is a good thing, I think. So we finished this bathroom last night, and um, that's been a, a really interesting project for that reason, like from a technical perspective, just you know, keeping track of all the footage over the course of a month and a half or whatever it was. Um, but also just we ran into so many different things doing the bathroom that I never I didn't know how to do. I had to do a bunch of research, and I got some stuff wrong, and everybody in the comments let me know in <laughs> part one uh, how wrong I was on so many things. But what was, the, what was the biggest thing that people said you did wrong? I kind of – honestly, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want the commenters of this podcast to rehash <laughs> all of those same things. And I, I mean, I'm just Makes being sense. honest. 
Yeah, I'm just being honest. Funny. We heard it. We heard enough of it, and I just, I just don't want to hear it again. So I'm not even going to bring those things up. Um. It, oh, also, in kind of in relation to that, last week we talked about the the Sears homes, the mail away homes. Thank you to all <laughs> all five thousand people who sent me the link to the ninety nine percent invisible podcast. I appreciate it. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, no, that was nice. Everybody was sending over. They, they have a whole episode about those homes, um, apparently, which I haven't listened to yet. But uh, anyway, the bathroom has been just a huge learning experience on the front end and the back end in the actual work and uh, dealing with a sponsor on something of that scale has been a little bit different. And but it's finally finished, and I'm really happy with how it turned out and how much stuff I learned from it. And to speak to the comments as well, though, I did get some really helpful stuff in those comments of the first part of the video. Because in the first part, we did the demolition and, like, the rough-in plumbing um, and some of the electrical. And it it was kind of weird. Some of the stuff didn't get – I didn't show the final pieces of it in that video because there was so much work to do. I couldn't include every single shot. And so a lot of the comments we got were about like, hey, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, that was a temporary solution until we moved along to the next step or whatever. So um, we learned a lot from those comments, good, the positive and the negative ones. Uh, and that was really helpful because it it really informed some of the decisions I made in the second part of the video as we finished up the room and I went back and redid some stuff or re-supported. Like there was a mirror on the wall. It's big, eight foot by, I don't know, probably four foot mirror glued to the wall. And we didn't want to take it down because it would surely break. And um, it was sitting on the top of the vanity. So the vanity had been put in place and then they glued this thing to the wall with the top, you know, the bottom edge of the mirror sitting on top of the vanity. So we took the vanity out, left the mirror there, and then we put the vanity back in. And so somebody left a comment saying that um, that mirror would be fine as long as it's supported from underneath because that's the way it was put in. But that mastic on the back of it is like 30 plus years old. And so if it's not supported, there's a good chance that it could just shear. You know, it'll break and come straight down. Never. And I, it's unlikely, but it'll never it was happen. A, but it was something I'd never thought of. And either way, like, it's a simple thing just to support it, you know, put like a board underneath it to support it. Yeah. Um, because, well, here's the deal. the um, When the vanity went back in place, it didn't go under it again. It went in front of it because we raised the floor up by adding tile. So it was then going to be completely unsupported in the future. And that was just, a, and the comment was a positive, like, hey, here's a little tip, something you might just want to look out for, you know, type of comment. And so I supported it, and the one thing that I thought was really cool about that comment was it was super positive and helpful, and the people that responded to him were like, wow, that was really nice of you to say that in a way that wasn't, like, super trolly. <laughs> you know, you had the perfect opportunity to be mean. Why didn't you? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But it was cool. It started a little conversation of, like, wow, that was, like, a, a nice way to be helpful. And, like, somebody else was like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I'm like, hey, everybody, look at this guy. Right. <laughs> He's being helpful and not awful. But anyway, so the bathroom is now finished. We're finishing up the second video, hopefully to get out before this show goes out. Um, that's the plan. It looks beautiful, you just, by you, the way. Oh, yeah, it's, it's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, on a, just a quick tip on a mirror that is glued to a wall. I, I've done a few renovations in the city where I've been involved in renovations. I never take on the full job. I'm always a piece of a job. And I've been on a job, uh, for instance, <clears throat> at one wine shop that used to be a hair salon. And she had 15 four-foot four by four-foot mirrors at every wherever there was a station. And she's like, I don't know how to get these off the wall. Every one of them is glued to the wall. So in most cases, the mirror is glued to sheetrock. And the goal is to delaminate that first few layers of paper off the sheetrock to get the glob of glue off of the wall. We came up with a couple of ideas. I'm not a professional mirror window installer guy. But what I came up with, and it worked perfectly for this client, was everybody wears safety glasses and you get like 10 wedges of wood. And if you have the opportunity to get that, even even a door, uh, a shim, you know, a shim that you buy from the Home Depot, if you can surround that window with shims and just 
Take a tap hammer and just tap each one of those shims in all the way around the whole perimeter, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And then it, all of a sudden you start hearing the paper tear. And as the paper tears, you get ready to grab the, the, the you know, you could put a, a piece of wood underneath it or something to grab it. But get ready, work with two people. And again, you must have safety glasses on because there's one out of 10 of them might break. And it usually will just crack. It's not going to explode, but you just want to make sure that crack doesn't spit fibers into your face. And we got every mirror off the wall without breaking one of them by just shimming them slowly. So there's a pressure on the whole entire piece of glass at the whole edge, and it slowly just delaminates that sheetrock. And they never get to a point where it just drops off the wall. It, there's always a warning. You could hear the paper starting to tear. You could feel like one corner comes completely loose, and then you work your way around the other corners that are still stuck. We got maybe there was 15 pieces of mirror on the wall. We got every one of them off without a problem. But that took a week to figure that's out good. how to do that. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> um, so today we were going to, I mean, we've, we're like 36 minutes in. We haven't gotten to the topic yet. But we were going to talk about uh, a tipping point. Yes. And this was brought up. I don't have the quote in front of me or the question. Uh, I don't think. Do we have that? You copied and pasted it into a <clears throat> uh, text message, but it. Okay. I don't think it says. I can. It was from Artfully Rogue, I believe. Um, he's one of our Patreon supporters. Let me find it. Sorry, I didn't prepare. When your growth and business hits that tipping point of expanding, bigger space, hiring help, when did that tipping point happen? And looking back, can you see what led to that tipping point? And knowing what you know now, would you do something different that would have gotten you to that tipping point sooner? I don't think you want to grow too fast in general. Because you make decisions, all of a sudden you're allocating money that you're not sure you need for some other thing. When people always say, when do I quit my job? I say, overlap for as long as you possibly can until you realize you're neglecting one thing over the other. And that's a tipping point, for instance, in, in this social media game where a lot of guys want to go from their day-to-day job to something that they heartfelt love about the new, this new expanding career. I say overlap as long as possible because to, to be able to bank that money and be able to make absolutely sure that your new venture is going to be something you really want to do and something you can really handle – if everybody, if anybody has like a day to day nine to five job, there's so many aspects of that job that you're not involved in that you don't even think about. And the day you want to become your own boss, all of a sudden you're like, you got to deal with everything. And then like all of a sudden you got to deal with insurance and this and you got a lot of stuff that just isn't on your day to day. So it's not even on your radar. Then suddenly you're on your own. So that's why I say the tipping point should really come. Or I don't know if it's the same thing as calling it a tipping point, but if you really want to break free from one thing completely immerse yourself in a different thing. I say overlap them as long as possible. Um, my tipping point came in my workshop, for instance, when I just had no more room for anything. And I knew every day I was in violation of like 700 building codes in my workshop. And any moment I was going to get called out by the New York City Fire Department or my landlord or somebody or, and uh, God forbid that, uh, you know, I set my building on fire doing the dumb things we did down there. I knew I had to get out of there. And then when they offered me the, the opportunity to leave early, I said, you know what, this is, this, is a, uh, this is a good opportunity to say, yep, let me, let me move to the next point. Because I had been avoiding it. My tipping point had come way earlier than I actually took advantage of it. So when it was time to go, it was just like, all right, let's just get out of here. And I weighed my options and I ended up getting that warehouse space, which I, I absolutely love because it's big and dirty and it's got room and we could rearrange things. Everything's on wheels. We could, we, my buddy is doing a big job in there now and part of his his compensation to me was he was going to rearrange everything. He rearranged everything. And all of a sudden we had like two parking car sizes of empty space, like, like 20 by 20 feet of empty space. I'm like, Whoa, that's crazy. So he's working on that. And when he's done, he'll be done shortly. I'll have that whole empty space. He rearranged stuff and I gave him a bunch of machines. So the tipping point comes, be aware of when you know you need to do it, but overlap a little bit, I would say, just to make sure you don't make a move too fast. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think uh, the the last part, what would you have done to get to there sooner, is I don't think I would do anything. Because for me, everything kind of came natural. Okay, now yeah, moving agreed. on to... Same thing. 
Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to move on to this job. And, oh, now I have this vision, but I can't execute that by myself. I need to hire a camera person, you know? And I didn't hire him full time. It was just like, let's do one day a week. And then a year and a half later, now we're doing one and a half days a week. And so everything kind of comes naturally. Nothing is, nothing's forced. And at this, what I do for a living is so weird. It is so new and it's so unpredictable. Like, I don't know if this is going to be here five years from now. So it's like, everything is just kind of like, let's, you know, baby steps. Let's, you know, let's not, not just throw away everything and jump into this new thing. So let things come natural. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in agreement there. I guess I look at it a little bit more, um, like Jimmy in that I max out capacity. So like it, if, if you're thinking about, you know, hiring a person or getting a bigger space or buying a new tool, if you can say it would be nice if this, then you probably shouldn't do it yet. Like for me, it's, it's not, it would be nice to have a bigger shop. It's like, I have to have a bigger shop mm-hmm. because it's it's not it's not a yes or no maybe it's like it has to happen because and then you have to have a really good reason for it right and it was the same thing with um <clears throat> even so we have three outside of me we have three full time now and Forby came on as an editor a long time ago and that was because it wasn't like it would be nice if somebody else would edit the videos so that I could have more time it was like I can't do anymore I'm I'm at capacity and so the only way to get more done, like to be able to make it, and this was pre-full time. This was a long time ago. <clears throat> the only way to be able to do more, to get closer to my goal of going full time, was to get help and get, you know, to, to take expand my capacity by taking some of my responsibility and giving it to somebody else who is more capable, frankly. And so he, he did that uh, part time, like one day a week, he would come in and just edit the video for the week. And then, um, so we did that for uh, several years. And then when we moved here, it was kind of the same thing. I got to a point to where I was just doing as much as I could possibly do. You know, and I mean, we've talked about this many times, but, and Jimmy kind of said it earlier, you, you, when you run your own business, you do everything. You are the maintenance person, you are the HR department, you are the tax person, you are the everything. And that stuff adds up. And there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, of course, my family's important. I want time there and I don't want to always be distracted with having to do work stuff. And it was just like I was fully maxed out. There was nothing else I could pass to Forby to do uh, at a part-time basis. And so then when Josh came around, um, I had this big long list of things that I that needed to be done that I couldn't figure out how to fit into my time. And it was a big disparate list of like all sorts of different things. And and I was talking to Josh while he was here and I was like, I don't know how I would ever hire somebody to do all of like, these are all a bunch of tiny part-time jobs. It's not like one full-time job. It's a bunch of different things. And he was like, I can do all those things. (laughs) I'm like, wait, 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 what? You know? And so we, at that point I was thinking I'm maxed out. So if I bring on another person, I will have half, I will have twice as much free time as I have now. Right. I take my, my workload split it between two people. And what I found really quickly was that's not how that works. Like I, somebody else came on full time and split the workload and the workload just fills back up. It's like having, you know, a cup of water at the bottom of a waterfall. Like you dump it out and then it's just like all the way back up. And so we just, I mean, Josh has been on for a little over a year now and Maybe in September, October, we were both looking at each other going like, we're maxed out again. Like, how is this possible? Like, we are full-time, full-time, (laughs) full-time, you know, both of us. And then um, Forby came on full-time to take on a bunch of stuff that we couldn't get to. We couldn't redesign the website. We couldn't do any changes there, which needed to happen just to make it work better. Uh, We couldn't edit any more video. We couldn't design any more stuff. Um, so he came on to take on a lot of those things, which he's, like I said, he's better at anyway. So it's, it's good to be able to hand those things off to somebody who I can trust to be like, this is, you're going to do all this stuff better than I could ever do it. So 
here. And then um, more recently, we got to where Josh, one of the big things Josh came on for was to shoot video because that was the thing that slowed me down, having to move the camera around every time I wanted to do a thing. And then it got in the last couple of months to where I would need to go shoot something, but Josh was already busy doing other stuff. And so I was running camera again for projects that I was working on. And that showed me right there, like he's, he's too busy to even do the job that he came on here to do, which means his plate has gotten a lot fuller. Mine's gotten a lot fuller. And so now it's time to bring on somebody else to, you know, lighten that load. So basically that's a super long winded way of saying, uh, I, push off growth as long as I can because there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, whether you're talking about hiring a person or getting a bigger space or going full-time or any of that, whatever it is. Put it off as long as possible until there is basically no other option. When every every capacity is maxed, then you increase the capacity. That's the way that I've looked at it. The, yeah, and, and and that's definitely the case. I think a lot of times I'm I'm going with capacity and and vision. Like I I want to do this thing. I have this certain video style that I want to do, but I can't do it on my on my own. And so let's bring in somebody else. I remember like finding out that artists like Andy Warhol would have other people do the screen printing for him, and. At first, I was like, "Okay, is that an Andy Warhol?" Because and he, he didn't he didn't touch it. He had somebody else do it, but it was but it was it was still his vision. And I find uh, as I'm watching all these documentaries on these artists, there's a lot of modern contemporary artists who have a team of people work on on something. I just watched one. This guy does these. He just comes up with the. He did this gallery showing, and he hardly touched anything in the gallery. He just had the ideas and then t- had these other people execute the ideas, and then hmm. there's a horse butt sticking out of the wall that he says, I could never I could never do that. I don't have the skills to do that, but I had the idea, and I have a team of people that helped me execute that idea, and it's still considered his work. And at first, I was like, that's weird. I don't know how I feel about that. But now, as I'm using more people to help me execute my ideas, I, I feel like, ah, yes, I understand now a little bit more. Well, yeah, that's that's a funny thing you bring up, because as far as a tipping point with your time, you got to start sharing responsibilities so you can just get a little bit more done. And my posters, uh, Brett and I were talking, Brett's like, how can I help you? How can I help you? I, you know, Because you you're running around in circles, getting less done because you're trying to stamp out all these different fires. And so I said, you know what? I have these poster ideas. I have the saying, I don't know what the graphic is. I'm giving you the saying, come up with some graphics. And I really like that idea because it comes out of our studio. For the most part, some, some of the fans realize it's a collaboration between Brett and I, and Brett has a different point of view that I otherwise wouldn't bring to it as far as a, uh, you know, it's a type of, uh, a certain type of font or, you know, he has a different collection of fonts. So I'm always like going to my own fonts going, oh, I'm so sick of my whole collection. And then Brett's got a whole different collection, which to me is fresh, which to him might be boring. But he came up with the, if you, he came up with the graphic for, uh, to have it, this is, you know, to have it and not need it, need it, not have it, that poster. And I really like that. And now we're working on a two color print. So I'm going to, for WorkbenchCon, I want to have a bunch of post postcards to give out. And one of them says, I make, therefore I am. And so Brett says, hey, let's, let's take this opportunity to do a two-color print. So we're going to do a gold print with a black outline. And we're just setting that. It's on my Instagram that you posted just recently. And uh, so it's, I've been waiting for it to get warm enough. And today might be that day that we run the first color. So, uh, you know, the collaboration is great. I mean, I have the initial idea, which I don't know how much of it is. It's not really an original idea. I just thought it would be an appropriate thing to have at WorkbenchCon. I make, therefore I am. And uh, so... We just talked about it for a few minutes, came up with a couple of ideas, and there you go. You know, so I didn't have to worry too much about the final graphic other than just a little art direction. But it was, uh, you know, stuff like that just gives you more time in the day. And it comes out of the studio, and people know it's printed on one of my antique machines. And and it, people aren't going to look at it and go, oh, Brett came out with this graphic. You know, it's like inherent that it's just a collab, and, and, a, and, a, and I have more time to do things. Yeah. I, so you were talking about Andy Warhol earlier, and um, 
a couple of friends of mine worked for an artist named Jeff Koontz. You ever heard of Jeff Koontz? Sure. Uh, my friend used to work for him or did some stuff for him. So he's an extremely popular artist uh, in New York City. And he has basically a warehouse of people working around the clock, 24-7. There are shifts, like night shifts of stuff of people <laughs> that are just constantly coming in and churning all the time creating artwork for him. And oh. he's a gigantic artist. Yeah. He, he People love and hate him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, now that I see his, fa- his face, yeah, people, like, because he's always smiling and happy, and artists are supposed to be uh, down Burning. and, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> depressing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's happy because he's probably very wealthy. He sells a whole <laughs> lot of really, really big, expensive. Anyway, yeah. I've had two friends that have worked for him at, on and off at different times. Um, but they have this like warehouse of people who do sculpture and paint and like you know detailed paint and big broad paint and the people that build canvases and build structures and I mean it's just a huge operation and I kind of have the same reaction to that that you had originally about Andy Warhol it, it, except that I don't know this this one feels like. In his situation, and I don't know a whole lot about the guy or anything, but it feels like that the work, the actual work, is really being done by a bunch of other people. Now, that doesn't right or wrong. I don't really care. Um, but I think the thing that's interesting is he created a brand around himself and around his choices and around his aesthetic and the things that he likes, and he comes up with ideas, and then his brand, his company, his studio – produces those things so that jimmy that's basically the same thing that you're saying is like all of these sayings that you're doing on paper you know whether they're your sayings you got them from somewhere else or whether the graphic is done by you or brett or me or somebody else it's it's still the idea is coming from you as a brand and then the execution is coming from you as a studio and so like i kind of think the same thing about i like to make stuff but the difference there is that, and this is one of those things that I've tried to think about that I haven't really made time to fully think about. I want the brand, instead of being Bob, I want I like to make stuff to be the brand. And so I've always tried to push that thing out front a little bit so that once other people are creating under the brand and are a part of the production, whether I'm involved or not, it doesn't seem disingenuous. just the way that I've looked at it, like I don't want it to be a Bob thing. I want it to be a thing that Bob is a part of and then so-and-so can be a part of and -and so-and-so can be a part of, you know. That gives it, I think, legs to outlive me and it gives it um, room for growth without it being uh, the Andy Warhol, Jeff Koontz situation, you know. Not that those things are bad. That's just the way that I've tried to set my situation up is that it can outgrow me basically. Right. Well, an example of that here in New York City is uh, Indian Larry is a motorcycle fabricator who died in an accident in 2004. But he died at the peak of his popularity. He was just a motorcycle guy that I don't think ever was seeking fame. I, I, I can't say I haven't met him, but I've been at parties with him and I've seen him in the environment where I was. We just never were introduced. But being in the neighborhood where he was from and I would see him all the time and just kind of watching him from afar. It seemed to me like fame found him and suddenly his, his popularity shot up because of TV and everything else. And he's a great guy from, you know, from what I could tell him, people that I know that know him, knew him. And all of a sudden he was gone, but this whole thing he created was there and stayed there. And so his closest friend, uh, whose name is uh, 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 Bob Seeger, and his wife took over the brand and basically the brand is alive. So Indian Larry motorcycles is there and as strong as it was now when he was alive, but they lost him and they're like, we don't want all this, everything he created to just go away because he's not here. So they copy his style. They created his, you know, they extended his style, they extended his brand, his, his philosophy and everything. So there's an example of the brand being bigger than the actual artist. So I don't know how that applies to this tipping point concept, but it kind of is more off a lot of what you were just saying, Bob. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is, maybe we went, took a little left turn there, but I think it is about, you know, growth. Just Part of growth is deciding how you want to grow, where you want it to go. Um, and if you, obviously you can't plan everything. Everybody's businesses are different. But if you do at least have an idea of kind of how you want things to progress, it helps you make smarter decisions, right? Like, do you need to hire a bunch of people? Do you need to hire one person? Do you need to be on your own? Like, if you want to be, you know, the if you want to be known as you and you want to be held responsible and get all the glory for all of the things that you do, then maybe having help is not the right situation for you. Maybe it's about, you know, doing what you can physically do. If that's not important, you know, and you would rather have free time <laughs> than hire people, <laughs> get help and make it easier on yourself. I don't know. It's different for everybody. But <clears throat> I know part of it for me is like I I don't want – I don't want to be responsible for tons of people, but at the same time, I am super grateful that I am a part of something that is now providing, uh, you know, a paycheck for four families, myself included. Like that feels awesome. And so I don't necessarily feel the pressure of like growing bigger than that or anything, but I, I want to be able to continue to provide more for, for those people who are working very, very hard, you know, and I want to be able to like, <clears throat> help continue to grow them uh, and grow this thing that we're doing together. So, you know, I don't, I don't plan on growing much bigger, but you never know if it, if it happens, it happens. I'm definitely not going to not grow just for the sake of staying small. You know, let it happen naturally. Bob, Bob, can yeah. I say something? Uh, it depends. <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah, of course. You've changed. <laughs> 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 You know what, Jimmy? I absolutely have changed. That's I got that thing. comment this morning under my blog. A guy says, I love everything you do. He goes, but dude, your content's not the same. And I just put it, I go, let's compare. I say this all the time. I'm going to sell your broken record. What was your life eight years ago? And have you stayed exactly the same and haven't grown in any capacity? Is everything from 2000? Would, you, would you, you want that? Would, would you, you want, want to that? stay the same as would eight you years want ago? That? Goodness. And I said, I mean, I didn't come back at him aggressively. I just said... I said, I, I'm, I think I might have said something to the effect of, yeah, I agree I've changed because environments, influences, uh, everything changes you. And you don't even realize it until you look back at eight years and you go, oh, okay. I'm glad I'm here now because we grow. Look at an eight-year-old yeah. compared to a 16-year-old. And would you sick look at that 16-year-old and go, you've changed. <laughs> <laughs> like in a negative would you look at a twenty-year-old yeah. and then look at a thirty-year-old and go, you know, you're not the, you're not the same, you know, you're not like irresponsible and like eating ramen <laughs> noodles and like have no money and have no car insurance anymore. You know, that's what I liked about you when I knew you were twenty. <laughs> but why is it to be like when you go from thirty to forty when someone goes, you've changed, you have more money in the bank and your life is easier, you changed, Jimmy, Jimmy, you do you used to do. You're what? fifty. You're 50. Oh, right. When, yeah, now, that was why a nice it, try. <laughs> when you go from 30 to 40. Yeah. Why is it okay to go from 40 to 50 and go, well, how can you go from 43 to 50 and then someone looks at you? <laughs> you, you okay, Jimmy? I'm right. Look. That was the All interview. Right. <laughs> Yeah. That was little Jimmy. Tell little Jimmy to buck up. <laughs> get, get out of here. Go back in the closet. Get, get out of here. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. We've all changed. And I, we have. And it's good. I, we want, I, don't you want to grow? Don't you want to? Like when you start college freshman and then you end, you've changed. When you start YouTube, when you do, oh, let me just do this for fun. Maybe show off a little bit. Let me create an online portfolio for my clients and my students. And then eight years goes by and people go, you've changed. You're no longer doing yeah. this once a month just on a whim. Yeah, I'm more happy now than I was then because then I'd have to squeeze in when I'm going to make a video. And Imagine if the Beatles just kept rewriting I Want to Hold Your Hand over and over again. Oh, my God. That's true. Mm. They've changed. Here you go. That's a good, that's a good analogy. Cool. Well, you guys got anything else on this? We've changed I, since the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, I forget what to the, the topic beginning. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Jimmy. That's enough. We'll <laughs> Save the voices for the after show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Speaking of after show, nice segue there, David. Yeah. Um, the after show is more of us talking, and it is available only <laughs> to Patreon supporters. <laughs> and little Jimmy may show up. We'll see. Um, <laughs> little Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, so big thanks to our Patreon supporters, everybody. Uh, anybody that supports us over there gets the after show at any level. But our top supporters are Wisel Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad for Mancrafting, Caleb Harris, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, and Make Build Modify. Uh, we're grateful to them and, and to everybody else uh, for the support. It means a lot. And if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it. If you don't want to do that, you can share the show around. You can buy shirts. We still have shirts, right? Yes. Yes. I think we have shirts. Yeah. I don't know if shirts. there's a link to the shirts on our new websites. We should probably fix that. We should probably <laughs> fix that. Yes. <laughs> um, what have you guys been watching? So I'm going to go with Andrew Klein. And I don't know if he just put out a video yesterday called Epoxy Pump. And oh, yeah. He's, it's he's a, an amazing it, inventor. He really, really is. He's and such a genius. It's a silly, let's just have fun type video. Like, this is a, not a practical thing. This doesn't need to be reproduced. You guys are not going to make this. You shouldn't make it. But it's a pump that pumps out equal parts, or not equal parts, but the right ratio of hardener and and resin and keeps it primed and it's it's one of those things that's totally over engineered and it's brilliant it was just like an exercise for himself and it's great and i I like the way his brain works we're actually working on something together which will hopefully be announced soon so yeah Good dude. Great inventor. Um, I'm going to bring up Jocko just because we're talking about tipping points and I'm just going through my oh, history. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought him up because I want <laughs> to talk go. about him. Here I want my go. knife. <laughs> I want my knife, him. <laughs> that looks so I, cool. I, no, no, I haven't had – I haven't I, – I just – since the, I've seen the examples that he had when he first came up with the idea. But I finally touched my first maker knife the other day because Jeff, Jeff was over uh, – Rody Jeff was over. And I played with the one he had in his pocket, which he happened to have the Duresta version. Thank you. Jeff, and thank you, Jocko. Um, but the reason I bring up Jocko is because we're talking about tipping points. And if you get a chance to watch Jocko's new series, he just started a new series. I think he's going to do post more often on his new space. He basically bought a factory space. It was in foreclosure somehow. He got it in some kind of auction. But he's got this incredibly giant, beautiful uh, workshop space. It's two floors. It's You need to get around on a scooter. It's so big. And he's building... It's- offices he's doing things he's never done before but there's a great example of a tipping point he had that great space that he had rented and i know jocko personally of course he said he rented it because he didn't know where this business was going to go he just was being a little cautious so instead of buying something straight away he, he rented that and then that led to you know all of his growth he's changed and then he made the maker knife and that made him change. And then he got this crazy warehouse, which now he's changing more. And he's in this warehouse <laughs> and the warehouse is going to change. So someone's going to go, you changed you moved the warehouse. <laughs> and so it's cool. So tipping point, check out Jocko. And he's just a fun guy to watch. They spent 20 minutes on trying to how to drive a forklift through a door with a four meter piece of pipe on it. Did you watch that? that was, <laughs> no. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. And and he's hanging out with his friend David, who's a great, funny character and and a, and a very good designer in his own right. And Daniel from Switch and Lever. There now you got you got the capacity of those three guys together, which is just a lot of fun and makes for great content and a lot of learning and changing yeah. and changing. So I don't know if you don't like change, don't watch it. <laughs> it is a crazy space, and like so, he got the auction of all those machines. And then the auction of that insane space, it's going to be, it's just going to be nuts. I actually was thinking about um, going over before Maker Central, swinging by his place and hanging out with them for a few days. I haven't talked to him about that yet, but <laughs> if you're listening, no, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about that. He's telling me I also to come want to talk about why I don't have my Maker knife, Jocko. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, well, uh, Brett, Brett or somebody, I think it was Jeff, Jeff said it to me the other day. He said that Daniel was... So there was a comment section somewhere, maybe on Facebook, I don't know. But D- 
Daniel was asked, did Jimmy and Bob get their maker knives yet? And what did they think? And Daniel said, they're getting a special package. So that's what Daniel mm. said. I mean, I, I'm just, that's hearsay third hand information. So Bob, you and I are going to get something special. We're going to get two maker knives each, I think. Ooh, I'm just giving him a hard time. It's funny though, because since we mentioned it last week, everybody who's getting them in the mail is like tweeting us pictures of him and be like, ha ha, we got ours. <laughs> and then Jocko just likes all of the pictures. <laughs> He's like you mean one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just giving him a hard time. I am looking forward to it, though. Josh has his. He really likes it a lot. Um, Are you allowed to touch I've, it? Like, in- <laughs> I've intentionally not touched it. Like I don't. It's that's his. Mm. He can, I'm, I'm waiting for mine. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. I have two things. One is something that David mentioned a long time ago that I've just gotten around to watching the show Abstract on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that like a year ago or something. And I watched one on the treadmill and then, like, never got back to it. And so finally this morning I started the second one, the shoe designer one. And it's just really cool. It talks about design and, like, how people come up with things and how they got to where they are. And the two that I've watched have been kind of different. I mean, it's not, like, the same formula necessarily. So I assume that continues. I don't really know. Um, But it's a cool, cool show. And then the other thing is something funny that my brother showed me the other day and it's an instagram account called obvious plant have you heard this mm-hmm. okay you should check it out so this guy i don't know anything about him i've just seen the instagram account but he creates fake toys and then plants them in stores <laughs> and they are so funny it's hilarious just you just got to go check it out and <laughs> <It's>, follow <laughs> yeah they're they're pretty good oh man um yeah. So, and and I think he has a store. He sells like the they're like kind of you know one of a kind creation stuff, but pretty good. Um. Well, <laughs> no, following it's funny. It's great. You guys got anything else uh, for this week? Uh, no, I'm gonna or, skip out on the after show so I can look at these this guy's photos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. They're some. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Lonely people holding cats. Calendar. <laughs> At least it's they have good. cats. <laughs> At least they have cats. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal's pregnancy test. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, you should check them out. They're elbow. Good. All right. Well, <laughs> not elbow. If elbow. you guys, uh, uh, you guys don't have anything else, we'll see everybody next week. And by then, we will have changed a little bit. Oh, and yeah. make no so apologies. Deal with, deal with it. At least, at least changing clothes. All right, see you guys next week. Well, not Jimmy's Uh, pants. That's true. Never. Love love my pants.